joining us at Resilient again. Now today we have a very special interview today with Holly Courtright. So Holly, could you please introduce yourself and kind of give a short biography of yourself, who you are, where you're at, what you do for a living, and what's your current project? If you can kind of, you don't have to do it all at once, but <laughs> if you can go ahead and introduce yourself now, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Holly. I live in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, I run a real estate business here in Victoria. And uh, yeah, I just recently uh, finished up my uh, graduate certificate in executive coaching. So that is my current project. Uh, I'm just working on developing that coaching business outwards. Uh, so far, mm -hmm. it's been amazing. Such an amazing experience. And uh, I just love the opportunity to uh, watch people grow and, you know, reach those aha moments and uh, move forward mm -hmm. with, uh, with their own big projects in their life. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's me and that's where I'm at. Oh, that sounds so interesting. So, um, so how did you get started in, in coaching? You said you just finished your master's degree. Um, did you, in, did you do real estate for a really long time and this is sort of a second career or has that always been a dream for you to do coaching? Uh, it's always been a, I wouldn't say it's been a dream. It's always been in the, on the back burner. I was always doing coaching uh, just a little bit as part of other tasks that I was doing. I used to work in recreation for a really long time. So I ran swimming pools and uh, did community development work. So there were a lot of really, really interesting opportunities uh, for development coaching and, uh, you know, running workshops and, and those sorts of things. So it's always been something that I did. Uh, and now I'm just formalizing it a bit more. Oh, that sounds so fun. What a great way to help people kind of become who they really want to be. 100%. Yeah. Coaching is definitely, for me, about service. Uh, so service mm -hmm. to the client and making sure that we are going in the direction that they want to go in. So it's a, it's a really great opportunity, regardless of what type of coaching people engage in. Uh, it's always great to have someone holding you accountable in your corner. And you work with different styles of coaching or um, are you mainly in, in one? So I don't know a lot about coaching. Can you kind of explain that a little bit, like how that works, what you do? With yeah, coaching? absolutely. So I work in executive coaching, but uh, there's lots of different types. So I would say it's a distant cousin to counseling, a very distant cousin. Uh, mm -hmm. So what it does, well, what I do uh, is I work with clients to identify some of their limiting beliefs, let's say, as an example. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we work through those. We, we find out what, you know, what are the anchors that are holding them down and identify areas in their life that they would like to make changes around. 
And then mm-hmm. we wor- I work with people on an individual basis. So I do one-on-one uh, and we, yeah, we tackle the problems that they want to tackle versus uh, counseling or uh, the things that are on that scale or in that realm uh, focus more on uh, prescriptive. Uh, so yeah, it's, this is a less prescriptive approach. Uh, so it, it differs for every individual depending on, on what they're seeking to, yeah, to work on. Right. It sounds like it's a lot, a little bit, well, it's a lot more action-based than certain approaches, less, less talking and more action steps kind of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, deep questioning that goes on with coaching. So it's, it's really about helping, the client to identify what's important to them and what they as an individual want to do to get there versus uh, a very systematic approach uh, that is utilized by everyone. So it's a, it's much more individualistic. Oh, it sounds so Mm -hmm. useful, especially now that so many people are trying to find a new way. I think that you picked a good time for it. Yeah, and coaching is awesome in the sense that, you know, you you have life coaches out there or relationship coaches or career coaches. So there's really all sorts of different areas in a person's life that makes them feel a bit more whole. Uh, So depending on on what is identified as as the root that is, you know, holding a person back, they can get out there and and find a professional to help them. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, are are you going to be able to, um, to do your coaching? Do you do it online or via zoom now in sort of the new normal? (laughs) Are you going to be able to, or is only in person? Uh, well, you could, you know, you could definitely do it in person. You could yell across a field. I don't know how, uh, I don't know how how private that is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, on the phone via zoom, it's a really uh, useful tool and can be done in a variety of ways. Uh, it's definitely a, a, I won't call it live action role play, like we're not lurking here, but uh, it, it, uh, <laughs> it's definitely something that does require the back and forth to go on. So yeah, right. but but by phone or, or by Zoom or even, you know, Facebook messenger thingamabookie-bookie, uh, all of them, all of them <laughs> function in the same general manner. So they all work. Right. And I would think that in some ways that would be really great, even when things get back to quote unquote normal, just because of the immediacy of that. If you are, if you're needing that kind of help in the moment, you'll be able to help someone if they need it. I think that, you know, sort of a side bonus. Yeah. Like you say, with Facebook, I never thought about doing it via messenger. That's wow. That's a great idea. Yeah, And the thing is, is there's some underlying tenants, obviously, that, you know, large portions of the population struggle with Uh, imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. confidence, like all of these sorts of things you can speak to generally. So if I wanted Mm -hmm. to, I could go and do a Facebook live on imposter syndrome. Uh, But that's not really coaching because coaching is something it's a it's a relationship that you build with someone uh so through those sorts of things you can give people some tools absolutely or uh shift their mindset slightly from listening to those things but in the in the grand scheme of things uh for me anyway uh it is the one-on-one uh personal relationship and the service to the client that's really important 
around the coaching relationship. Oh, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, now, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to talk about a time in your life when you have been resilient. It could be things like trauma or grief or medical events or some kind of struggle that you've had success with um, kind of working through in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we all have glimpses of resiliency in our lives. And uh, I think it's definitely something that we are slowly starting to lose sight of. So it's, it's interesting that you would ask that. Uh, when I was 24 years old, uh, my mom passed away, not, not super suddenly, but you know, kind of within eight months kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it was very interesting because in those times, approximately 20 years ago, not giving away my age or anything, but uh, <laughs> it, it, times were quite a bit different. And it was, everybody felt very sorry for me. And mm -hmm. so I was allowed to behave very poorly. Uh, and I was given the green light to exist in my current situation in a way that I wasn't proud of. So hmm. I had to leave. That was my decision. That was how I was going to build my resiliency there is I wasn't going to, as much as I, you know, I love my friends and family and I, and I thank them for their understanding and, and you know, them allowing me to be a total mm -hmm. cow. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was just not who I wanted to be. So I left and traveled for a year and, uh, through solo traveling, uh, it built so much resiliency for me. Uh, every day that I woke up, it was up to me. I didn't have to wake up. I could stay in bed all day. I could, you know, go out to my local watering hole, wherever I was in the world, uh, drink tons and tons of brewskis, go home, pass out, wake up the next day. Or mm -hmm. I could wake up and go see the sights and, you know, take in an awesome restaurant. It was up to me. And part of that time was spent doing the former and part of that time was spent doing the latter. So it was a real test for me to become who I wanted to be. I was in a position where I got to pick. And that to me is where resiliency comes from. It comes from being faced with a decision that you have to make and then, you know, picking the picking the path that's going to be more challenging, but it's going to be more rewarding in the end. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's that to me just kind of embodies what resiliency is. You know, you're faced with options and it's really hard to pick the hard option, but you do it because at the end of that, there's so much greater reward. So while I was out and about, out and about, uh, doing, doing my traveling around, I got on a boat and I, I didn't know anything about boats. I didn't know anything about sailing. I, you know, this boat was leaving from Portugal and it was sailing across the ocean. And it was a, it was a delivery job to New Zealand. And to be honest, I really 
I really didn't get how far away New Zealand was. I just really didn't understand. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I won't say that I necessarily picked the hard option. I think I fell into the hard option <laughs> without full realization <laughs> of what I was doing. So mm -hmm. I got on this boat and we traveled across the ocean. So we went to Lanzarote. That was our first stop. So that was eight days. And I thought, well, this is pretty, this is pretty crappy. I don't really like this. Uh, the boat was super old. So if anybody that's listening is thinking I was on a yacht or, you know, anything fancy like that, it's uh, just not the case. It was a 20 foot by 40 foot catamaran. Uh, no radio, no. no shower. It was, yeah, bare bones, fixer upper. Wow. Yeah, oh this my. sucker was a fixer upper. So left, finally left Lan Lanzarote and we were headed for Antigua. And that was 23 days. No land. Didn't see land for 23 days. And wow. I... Yeah. Wow. And I got to tell you, uh, it wasn't good. It was, it was it, in, in retrospect, it was amazing. And I guess that's really the takeaway from it all is sometimes in the moment you're in the shit and it is total garbage and it feels awful and you don't understand what lessons you're supposed to be taking from any of this. And, you know, that's all well and good. But at the end of it, when you look back that hindsight, there's so much value in putting yourself in situations that are difficult. And for me, mm -hmm. that was that trip across the ocean was a pivotal moment for me to becoming who I am now because it allowed me to have all the emotions that we typically don't allow ourselves to have. Um, you know, the death of a parent or, you know, uh, the loss of, <clears throat> excuse me, the loss of a job. There's so many things that we're faced with in our life and we just have to move on. Everybody says, move on, just keep going, keep going. So this was an opportunity for me, 23 days in the middle of the ocean where I got to have it all. I got to be mad. I got to be sad. I got to be glad. And it was a huge, huge bonus for me because when I did see land, I was a completely different person. I, you know, during that journey, all of our, all of our fresh water leaked out of our holding tanks. So we only had one jug and we had to use it for brushing our teeth and washing our face and everything else. We cooked in salt water. Oh, if you've ever had pasta, if you can imagine the saltiest pasta that you've ever eaten in your entire <laughs> life. 
Oh, oh it's like those Sour Patch Kids, but pasta. Like, it's wrong. There's nothing right about that situation. But you had to eat it, right? Because Yeah, well, and that's there? the thing. You don't have any fresh food left after a while. So, yeah, you got to eat it. And you plug your nose and you just carry on with, you know, you carry on with your current state of affairs. Um, you know, I said that earlier that I ran swimming pools. I'm a very good swimmer. That's how I put myself through through uni. Uh, you know, I ran swimming pools. I taught lifeguarding, all that sort of stuff. We didn't have a shower on the boat. So we would drop the sails. And every second day, we would throw a buoy line out behind us and hop in the water. And that's how we would get clean. And I was terrified. <laughs> I'm a great swimmer. I would not be the first one in or the last one out. In my mind, I needed a 50% chance that the shark was going to eat the other guy. I, I could not be the only one in there. That just was not an option. So it was, yeah, it was just a really smelly, hungry, dirty, hot, cold, everything time. But at night... I would do watches. We switched off and it was so dark that you've never seen so many stars in all your life. It's unbelievable mm -hmm. with no light pollution. It is one of the most magnificent things that I have ever seen in my life. And it gave me a lot of time to think and you know, mm -hmm. to make decisions about who I wanted to be and how I wanted to live my life. And what I decided is that when something bad happens to you or around you, uh, that can't be the defining moment in your life. That needs to be the moment that you define your life by instead. You, you have options. So, it, yeah, it was, uh, I made it. The first thing I did when I got off the boat is I had an ice cream cone. And, oh, my, it was the best flipping ice cream cone I've ever eaten in my life. Um, I had a shower for about 45 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I had... And I drank a brewski because there was, it was a dry ship. So, uh, no booze on board. And, uh, and I sat on a picnic table in Antigua looking at what was previously my prison, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. very grateful for the challenges that, that I had made it through. You know, there was so many things that happened on that boat that, challenged me and physically and emotionally and uh at the end of it I just I came out so much stronger but only because I decided to and I think for me that's really the big thing about resiliency you have to pick mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. you have to choose to overcome it it's uh you know we have a, we have a choice no matter no matter what's going on around us and uh you have to you have to make that choice that you're bigger than 
than the one thing or the two things or whatever is going on in your life right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you didn't necessarily have to know the next step. You just had to know that you wanted to go forward. 100%. It, it didn't matter. You know, I was in Antigua. We had to get a lot of repairs done on the boat. So we were around the Caribbean for a couple of months and we sailed through the Panama Canal. And it was amazing. Amazing. But halfway through the Panama Canal, I thought, I'm done. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, it's very interesting because Holly, before the boat incident, would have stayed because I Mm -hmm. felt like I had given somebody, uh, I had made a a promise that I was going to, you know, help out on this boat all the way to New Zealand. But... I realized mm-hmm. that those sorts of things are, are a dime a dozen. They'll find someone else to go on that boat. You know, I, I am not the only person that can accomplish tasks. It, um, mm-hmm. But I'm the only person that can accomplish tasks for me. So that mm-hmm. was, that was a decision. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I just thought I don't want to be on this stinking boat anymore so yeah I was like no this is this is enough of this I was on there for about four four months four and a half months all told and uh Panama City I uh got off and waved goodbye and the boat sailed away and and I traveled over land back home so uh and it was a good it was good it was good timing it was a great decision on my part and uh I got what I needed to get out of that experience uh, to to grow and and change for sure. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you said you got to Antigua. I was thinking, oh my gosh, does she get back on that boat? You were going to. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because in Antigua, I had no thought of getting off the boat. I had just done twenty three days that were some of the hardest days of my life. And the thought of getting off the boat wasn't even in my mind at all. Uh, But Mm -hmm. over time, during the easier times, you know, when we were getting repairs done and we were in Trinidad and Tobago for quite a while. And so I was doing scuba diving and life was grand at that point. Uh, And that's Mm -hmm. when I thought, you know, is there more that I can take from this experience? And when I realized that the second ocean crossing that was about to happen, um, I had taken what I needed to take from that experience. So exactly Mm -hmm. like you said, it didn't matter what the next experience was. It just needed to be forward and staying on the boat wasn't moving forward. That was just, that would have been me staying where I was comfortable even though it was Mm -hmm. uncomfortable Mm -hmm. well it was totally yeah you've conquered yeah totally and that's the thing once you've conquered something if you just stay there you have to ask yourself why aren't there Mm -hmm. bigger things isn't there isn't there another thing that I can get out there and conquer because we can all take a rest you know, it's not about having to be moving forward at 
you know, Mach 10 all the time. But <laughs> at some point, we do have to take that next step and we do need to move towards a new goal. Yeah, it sounds like it was a really good self-care move for you to know yourself enough to know that you were ready for a new challenge. Yes. Do you have other? No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that deep down, we all know ourselves well enough to make the right decisions. But for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. and there's, you know, there's a multitude, there's as many reasons as there are people on this planet for why we don't Mm -hmm. make the right decision. Uh, so it's, Mm -hmm. it is again, back, getting back to resiliency, that is part of building resiliency is digging down and making the right decisions for ourselves. I think that's a really good point. When you say that deep down, we, we tend to know the answers, even though we might not consciously feel them. Um, that's getting to know yourself. I, I feel like your journey, it was, it was interesting because um, I'm teaching a, a memoir writing class right now. One of the subjects is travel writing and travel memoir. And the whole point is it, the outer journey is a metaphor for the, you know, the physical journey is a metaphor for the, the inside journey. And I, I love that your, your story was so illustrative of that. Um, it seems like it really informed a lot of the way you live the rest of your life since. It, yeah, absolutely. And I've traveled a lot since then. The majority of the time uh, I travel by myself. And it's something that for me reinforces my own abilities to myself. When I pack up, it doesn't matter that I've switched from a backpack to a wheelie. Shh, don't tell anyone that I have a wheelie now, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm not staying in flea infested huts anymore because I have a little bit more cash flow going on. It's not about that stuff. You don't have to rough it in the, in the way that I used to do in order to pull something from travel. Uh, for me, it's about being by yourself, being self-sufficient, making good decisions, actually making decisions, waking up in the morning and deciding where you're going to go for breakfast. What sites are you going to go see? It's all about you. That is how you get to know yourself is you put yourself into a position where you don't have anyone else to lean on. I I love that. It's it, that's an inter- interesting point that you brought up because I have a um, I have a son who's 19 and um, he's just finished his first year of college, right? And um, gosh, I want that for him so much to be able to go and do those things. I traveled when I was 19 as well, and and to be able to make those decisions as an adult, like you're saying, every single minute decision from where you're eating breakfast to what country you're going to visit next. What a gift to be able to learn to know yourself. In well, way. and, and I find now I, I have friends that have kids. I don't have any children. Uh, I have friends that have children and I've worked with, you know, 
I used to supervise a staff of, of 45 people between the ages of 15 and 25. So, you know, mm-hmm. seeing that age group in the workplace and, and those sorts of things, we've really moved away from the importance of them knowing who they are. Uh, there is a, a serious, you know, you can agree or disagree with me, uh, but there's a serious lack of resiliency in that age group. Uh, and, you know, I am, uh, I am in the camp where I don't think it's all their fault. Uh, we don't push them to experience hardship. Instead, we try to right. shelter them from it. And it, we can't shelter them from hardship forever. And the only way you get through hardship successfully is by building your resiliency, which requires that you know yourself. So it's, you know, it, it's, all, it's all connected. And it's, um, mm-hmm. we're seeing that age group really struggle. And uh, I think a lot of it, I won't say all of it, like every 19-year-old needs to put a backpack on and go stay in flea-ridden beach huts. Uh, that's, although they should be like, I mean, not? You know. but, uh, but, you know, just right. this push for, to get out there and get a job and go to school and do all, you know, this, that, and the other. Sometimes we need to just, and we're seeing it right now with COVID, Sometimes we need to take a break, mm-hmm. right? And we struggle mm-hmm. now. You see, with with COVID, we're struggling because we're not used to taking a break. We don't know what to we don't know what to do with ourselves when there's nothing to do. Right. Yeah, you're faced with, you're faced with this person. You look in the mirror and you think, I don't even know who you are. Because you haven't spent enough time looking in the mirror at that person because everything is all about how busy we are. And you cannot build resiliency around busyness. It's, I don't think. Oh, I agree. I think, well, as you say, it's, it's kind of a method of, of, of hiding um, from getting to do the work to know yourself because you're not willing to be solitary enough to stand still 100%. And that boat, you know, I could use it in a million different ways. It's to me, it, it was the same as being, you know, locked in a room by myself kind of thing. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's exactly the same thing because there just wasn't, there wasn't stuff, you know, I couldn't drown myself in the internet. I Mm -hmm. couldn't, go shopping. I couldn't, you know, you're just stuck there. Uh, and sometimes there's a lot of value in being stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. that's a really valid point too, because then you have to, or you just out. stay there. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's but, <laughs> but sooner or later, uh, you know, you can only stay there for so long. So there's, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do think that being stuck uh, leads to great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. So switching gears just a little bit, what kind of uh, what kind of stuff do you do now 
Uh, and and also, conversely, what did you do pre-COVID? What kind of stuff do you do to make you happy besides <laughs> Well, it's good that I have some other things because not going anywhere very far uh, <laughs> for a while here. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, for right, me, right. I, <clears throat> I am a aspiring golfer, which is shock like I'm terrible uh if you could see me physically I'm very tall so I have an exceptional lever system so I can hit the ball so far like crazy far for a girl a woman sorry a woman uh but it's in the wrong direction every single time so yeah but I kind of I took that on because it gives me a really good opportunity to hang out with my dad uh, and other than that, I, you know, I play slow pitch. I hang out with my dog. I got a rescue dog, Cedar. She's, uh, she's from Thailand and, uh, I love reading. I just, yeah, love losing myself in a, in a good book. So that's, that's kind of what I do to, to keep myself busy other than, you know, building business, building my businesses and uh, serving clients and, and those sorts of things. Oh, thank you so much. So what do you do in your life that makes you happy? Is, is it something that's working now? Is it something that helps you in times of, of challenge or strife? What kinds of things do you do for fun? Uh, well, I play a lot of sports. Uh, so I get outside a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I play golf, uh mm-hmm. quite poorly but I play it anyway <laughs> I uh yeah I swim quite a lot uh and I you know I play slow pitch and I curl I just stay really active which I think mm-hmm. you know as you participate in these activities it allows your subconscious to do some work in the background you know when you're concentrating hard on something right, uh you're right. yeah your subconscious is uh making making connections and, and, you know, doing all the important stuff that it needs to do in the background. Same as with sleep. Uh, Mm. So I wouldn't say I sleep for fun, but one of the big (laughs) things, I I think it is fun a lot of the time, but (laughs) one of the big changes that I have made recently, and, you know, COVID has actually helped me along the way with this a bit, is I really am focusing on getting enough sleep. And Mm. I have noticed a dramatic uh, improvement on my stress levels, my ability to deal, you know, pivot, deal with problems that come up uh, and my Mm -hmm. retention. Uh, I found that my retention was getting poor. So, you know, now I, I make sure that I'm getting, for me, it's eight hours that I'm getting eight Mm -hmm. hours of sleep. Not everybody needs it. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, And it's something (laughs) in society that we almost shame people for the idea of getting enough sleep and not being busy enough. Like if you get eight hours of sleep, it means you're not busy enough. And that's just baloney, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, you know, I've had to cut some other stuff out to add an extra two hours of my day that I spend with my eyes closed, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm quite active. Hang out with my dog, Cedar. Uh, we go hiking a lot and, uh, it's hmm. out on, on our paddleboard. So yeah, mainly it's outside stuff. And, uh, and I like to read. 
I have a, yeah, I have a subscription to The Economist, which is uh, exceptionally stressful because it's an 80-page <laughs> magazine that comes every week. Right. <laughs> uh, every time it shows up, it's like, oh, shit, I got to get through this again. But, <laughs> but it's great. It's a really good uh, way to, to stay on top of what's going on and, and just, you know, it's brief, but it gives you good introduction to stuff. And then I've got a book club. And yeah, so we read books and, you know, we, under the guise of talking about them, uh, we meet. Oh, fun. What kinds of books do you read in your book club? Uh, We just finished Educated. Oh, such a good book. I love that book. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really good. I liked that book a lot. Uh, Prior to that, we read Weather, which... Uh, is specific in its audience, I would say. <laughs> so, but yeah, I have an I'm an English major uh, for my undergrad. So okay. I, yeah, so I enjoy reading it. It really does uh, allow me a, a good opportunity to reset. Do you have like what are your top two favorite books ever? Uh, Shantaram, I would say, is definitely up there. And uh, I'm trying to think behind the scenes at the museum, which is a super old book, but Mm -hmm. it's just really, I like the character development for me. I really enjoy character development and Mm -hmm. Chantram. If you haven't read it, the guy's Mm -hmm. just so cool. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on with that guy, but he's had some pretty amazing experiences. So it's a, it's a beast. It's a brick of a book. Uh, I read it when I was backpacking, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend unless you <laughs> are doing it via ebook or whatever now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, amazing. An amazing read. Ooh, that sounds cool. Do you, now, um, I just joined a book club for the first time. I've never had time. Like you say, I've never, you know, it's one of those things that you have to make time for. Yeah. Um, and so I'm doing a virtual one with some friends and, um, I, I, I'm fascinated by people who've managed to keep it up. So kudos for that. <laughs> I think that's a lot. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of commitment to other people. It, it is. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that holds you accountable to reading. Uh, I'm not sure that I need necessarily to be held accountable because I enjoy reading a lot. But right. People who struggle, it's a really great thing to at least contemplate or give a shot because you know, having an accountability partner in anything is always uh, a huge bonus and really pushes us to be to succeed and be successful. So, you know, reading, I, I can't say enough about what reading does for us as individuals. It, it broadens our mind, it expands our vocabulary, it allows us uh, to express ourselves with more ease. So if what you need to read is an accountability partner, then a book club is an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned your dogs. Do you have, do you have any other pets in your life? Oh, no, I couldn't even. Cedar is a rescue dog from Thailand. She's adorable. Uh, she's mm-hmm. six, but she's high. She's high maintenance, man. She just, <laughs> You know, follows me around everywhere. If we had another animal, 
I think they, it would just be a jealousy match all the time. So she, uh, she's the solo. She's got no brothers or sisters in the house. <laughs> and what kind of dog is she? Oh. Uh, that's a great question. Um, no idea. So about the <laughs> No. Uh, so I, oh, I got her really? from Thailand. She was uh, in the dog meat trade. So she was saved from that. And uh, yeah, she kind of looks like maybe part beagle, part hound. Uh, so yeah, she, she got here and she's pretty much been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Love her to death. Aww. Oh, oh, yeah. I am all about adoption. So I think that is amazing. Now you're telling me, so she came over, you didn't get her. Yeah. I found her on the internet actually. Like, over here. like some people find their partners. I found my partner. Uh, <laughs> And right. I was thinking, oh. it's funny, I was thinking about getting a dog and my dad was like, you know, Holly, are you sure you're pretty busy? Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then, you know, one day he was like, I think that's actually a good idea, Holly, you should get a dog. And then about a week later, I just saw her on the, on the internet. I was following a bunch of rescue organizations and there's one that's run out of Hua Hin in Thailand by this lovely a woman from Germany and uh, I saw her and I was like, that's my dog. And her name was Ming. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, they shipped her out here in a, in a crate. Mm -hmm. She got on an airplane and stuff like that and uh, picked her up at the Vancouver airport. I'm in Victoria. So I uh, had to bring her back, but yeah, she was pretty skittish. She couldn't go up or down the stairs, didn't understand the leash, uh, had to get 19 of her teeth taken out because they were, yeah, they were in pretty bad shape. But uh, she's amazing now. She's, mm -hmm. like I said, she's my best friend. She's my partner in crime. She gets me outside every single day, multiple times a day. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, what a gift what a gift to give yourself that's really neat that's really neat um yeah i like i say i have all of i have way too many animals oh. i don't have a huge house but i have four cats <laughs> um you know i think that once you it's really hard once you're if you're an animal person it's hard to it's hard to say no and there's Especially so many of them you know it's it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. uh I follow a lot of rescue organizations and especially, you know, in the States uh, where there's kill shelters that, that mm -hmm. just absolutely, you know, ravages right. my emotions. And, you know, a lot of those dogs mm -hmm. and cats, but dogs, you know, specifically that end up in kill shelters. It's so sad right. because they're, you know, overbred and they're just breeds that, people have passed judgment on and they're never getting adopted and they're lovely you know pit bulls mm -hmm. boxers german shepherds uh you know they have the ability to be amazing dogs just like any other dog so it's just it's really heartbreaking to see you know that mm -hmm. that there's so many of them that end up in these shelters and you know millions of them are are put down every year and it, it's really it's really a travesty that humanity has allowed this to, to continue to happen. 
Yeah, we do. We're well, I'm glad we're, that you have we're just two peas in a pod over here. <laughs> oh, so um, it sounds like Sears also quite a part of your daily routines. Do you have other things, other kinds of routines uh, that make your life easier? You know what? To be honest, it's that's such an interesting question because really, really successful people or when people are telling you how to be successful, it's all about uh, get up super early in the morning, have your set routine, follow your set routine, do the same things every day, like small, small, consistent actions lead to success. And to some degree, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also think it misses the point that everyone is an individual. So I don't have a lot of routines necessarily you know I I eat at different times I get up at different times I shower at different times uh my consistent things are I spend time outside Mm -hmm. every day uh and I spend time not right now but I spend time around people that motivate me and uh bring me joy those are the those are the consistent things that in my life versus you know wake up at, at five 30 in the morning, read for half an hour. Like I don't live my life in that, in that way. Right. Right. And, and I don't think it has to work the same way for everyone, but I like, that's a really good answer. That's a great answer. So uh, this is kind of, this is kind of an interesting uh, sideways question, but I always like to talk to the people I interview because I think it's, it's neat to find out if you're a visual learner Ah, that is very interesting. Uh, It depends on what I'm learning. So having grown up before Mm. the internet, I'm aging myself. No listeners, I'm not 65. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, back for me in high school and stuff, we didn't have the internet. We weren't, even when I started uni, we weren't taking computers to school and, and those sorts of things. So, uh, I definitely need to write things down. Uh, I'm not good at reading off of the computer or anything like that. Uh, So I would say academically, I need to, I'm not auditory, I'm visual for sure, uh, in terms of like academic learning. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. other things I do need to, Mm -hmm. uh, I need to do it. Uh, it's not enough for me to to read about, say, I don't know, I'm trying to think if I needed to change the oil in my car or whatever. <laughs> what That's a weird example to choose because I do that all the time. Uh, but let's say I had to, I would need someone to show me how to do it. Reading, reading how to do that wouldn't, it wouldn't sink in for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I just find it really fascinating that there are people who my brother-in-law is the kind of person to use your analogy. I mean, he could just, he, he could just do it. He would just, he could read it and he'd do it instantly, but I am definitely not. <laughs> I have to, you know, I, I'm, I'm very similar in that I can, I like to read stuff and I can absorb information pretty well by reading it, but I, in order to do something, I, I have to be shown sometimes well and it's, um, the for thing me that's so that can be a little interesting about that <laughs> about learning styles and uh 
you know, uh, different ways of communicating, different ways of managing conflict. All these things have a huge impact on how we how we deal with other people and how we are in our personal and professional relationships, which is why you're seeing so, so many more large companies uh, investing in different types of things, whether they're doing Myers-Briggs or they're doing STI or they're doing a disc assessment. They're, you know, they want to know what is making their employees tick. Who's going to work well together? Who is not? Who's oil and water? You know, it in a in the workplace, these types of things are mm-hmm. really important to know, and it makes teams function so much better. And I think as individuals, it allows us to function far more efficiently and effectively if we have a good understanding of what is our communication style, how do we learn the best, how do we manage conflict, all of these sorts of things. Uh, because we can identify where we're at, what path we're on, mm-hmm. uh, where we're, you know, where we're headed if we continue behaving the way that we are, and we can, you know, we can make adjustments and pivot, move. So, yeah, the more we know about how we tick, uh, you know, the more success we can't help but be more successful. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, definitely. Now, this is a super fluffy mm-hmm. question, but I think it's interesting um, to ask those also, um, especially right now, now that, that we're all in such uh, constrained circumstances. Are there things that you do during your day, things like small pleasures? Do you like coffee or tea or is there some sort of biscuit you have to have in the afternoon? What's something really uh, small, but a small pleasure that you do for yourself? Well, now? I do. I won't say this is a small pleasure because it it, I would say it's a problem. I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know that that's a small pleasure. I think that that's like verging on <laughs> an addiction to caffeine. Uh, but, you know, something that I do when we go for a walk down to the beach and stuff like that is I put my feet in the water. Cedar doesn't like to swim. Uh, so she sits beside me. But the water's so cold, mm-hmm. you know, and but I do it all year round and it, I just find putting my feet, I roll my pants up and stuff and just kind of dangle my feet in the water. And it, I don't know, it's kind of like a reset for me for some reason. It just feels very cleansing. Mm. It sounds very grounding and and very cleansing very um well it's like a, a and it feels great even when it's freezing reset. i like that uh, you know that I'm, let's not get crazy i'm not taking off my snow boots to put my feet in the, mm-hmm. in the water you know so there might be a, a couple of months in there where <laughs> the feet don't see the water but um right. you know even when it's cold it just feels mm-hmm. even when it's needly you know when it's so cold it feels like it's just pricking you with like a million needles it's still, yeah, it still just feels, it's almost like it, your whole body just kind of pulls that chill upwards and it just cleanses you. It's like a sauna, but the opposite way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Oh, that sounds fun. 
<laughs> I can yeah. I can just imagine you being yeah. at the water's well, edge some there. People, and, some people oh, really so cold. <laughs> strongly believe in swimming in, in water that's that cold. Now, you know, that's that's too much for me, but yeah. but the feet the feet are a yeah. good thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Um, so um, do you have what do you have any new projects that we can plug? Anything coming up for you that I can, that yeah, I can direct read or listen can. to uh, on the you show? Know, I'll, I'll provide you contact you in some uh, with some information and stuff like that. But you know, if they I I've got websites and all that sort of stuff, and I'm on Facebook. I'd love it if they wanted to look me up. Uh, it's Holly Courtright. There's not a lot of them. I'm in Victoria. You know, I would love Love to just hear if anybody has uh, any book, <laughs> any books that they love. I, I would love them to reach out and let me know. Or, you know, if anything that I've said resonates with them or they are, <clears throat> as we talked about earlier, uh, you know, I am an executive coach. And uh, if anybody is, you know, looking for some help to find a bit more focus in their workplace or move themselves to the next level, 100%. Uh, if they if they'd like to reach out, they can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, by email. It's just Holly at courtright.co. Uh, and I'd love to chat with anybody. I want to thank Holly Courtright for being on the show. It was a great interview. She was such fun to talk to. Remember, you can contact her through her Facebook or through her Instagram. Both of those are on the show notes. You'll be able to see those. I also wanted to um, remind viewers, <laughs> listeners, I should say, that you can go ahead and email me at resilientpodcastmail at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you'd like to be on the show. I wanted to finish today by I often talk about the books I'm reading, nonfiction this week. I'm reading a book recommended to me by another podcaster called The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper by Hallie Rubenhold fascinating. It's a sociological study, really, of um, 18th century London and the women who lived there in their lives, rather than focusing on the way that they were killed. But it's a great book for people who like true crime. Also, I'm reading a fiction novel, a young adult novel, called No Fixed Address by Susan Nielsen, which is uh, about a kiddo that's living in a van. Uh, It's wonderful. I recommend both. Sometimes we have to start over Sometimes we have to fight back Sometimes it's all too much Lost inside the black Of those who 
your choices To stay And fight not run Brilliant, we are reason.